Hot, ooh, ooh, hot, ooh, I burned my hands on that, <laughs> on how fresh this this viewing was for Hans. That he, did you re- really just like roll credits and hop in the call? Yeah. Nice. All right, so we have, so mine's been mar- marinating a bit. Mine was like my lunch break. I watched it. So this was like middle of the day today. When did you watch the movie, Aaron? I watched it yesterday in two installments. Mm, I watched the first did... two thirds in one sitting, and then I had to go do something, and I came back and watched the last third. So wait, where was the where was the break? Where was the intermission? Um, it was as Casey Ryback was building an impromptu bomb out of rum and broken glass. <laughs> oh my god! And okay. lard or whatever. <laughs> and it was. lard? No, it was coconut. It was. Oh uh, yeah. Ah, uh, that's like, right. Even cocoa okay, butter. Okay, wait. Oh, okay, hold on. We're we're skipping. This is my fault. <laughs> we're skipping ahead. We're skipping a lot. Yeah, we didn't do an intro yet. We had to do an intro. Well, this one, uh, Hans has the lead on the intro. Oh, that's true. What an honor for such a terrible movie. But you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom Tom. Welcome back to Steven C and All, uh, our endeavor to watch every current Steven Seagal movie uh, throughout the rest of this year. I'm Hans. (laughs) I'm Aaron. I'm Zach. Nice that to, was nice really to see slow you response all. time from Zach. Nice to see you all this week. I'm we'll Zach. fix it in post. Still, Zach. We'll fix it. No, don't fix me in post. Everything I say is perfect. <laughs> so this one, uh, we're talking about <laughs> Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Real quick. Uh, they're think, on a train do, this time. Wait, real quick. Do we think, I, I really want to know what you think for the premise of this. Do we think that they learned the actual real life term dark territory for like the communication blackout on railroads and they said, okay, we're setting the movie on a train just because of how cool that term is. That's my <laughs> kind of speculation. I 100% think that's exactly what happened. That they did not plan to do a train, but they learned this term dark territory and Steven Scott said that's got to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's the same thing as the first one, except the the only... I, I think I only spied two actors that carried over. I would argue this was not very much like the first one. Well, so other than Casey Ryback, who... Uh, what other character appears in both? One of the general One of the... Ca- uh, okay. Admiral. I don't know if that's his... Admiral? I don't know if that's his actual rank, but... Uh, okay. But what's, um, uh, what's the basic plot here? Yeah, run us through it. It's the, it's the first one, but it's on a train this time, That's except different. he's not a cook. He's uh, just getting on the train because he's going on vacation to go pay respects to his brother who had just passed. So he's taking his niece to go to the funeral. And they said in the beginning he's on his vacation. That's a pretty crappy vacation. <laughs> I mean, but you have to take vacation time to go to a funeral. Like, that is a thing. I know, I know. Done. It's just throughout throughout the whole thing. Like, when they're giving updates, like, oh, oh Ryback's on, on that train. Yeah, he's on his vacation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, he's on his way no. to his estranged brother's funeral. Yeah. No, it's very nice taking his niece there. They had a little heart-to-heart. It was pretty cool, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, for some reason, out of nowhere, uh, we learn that his niece's, like, favorite food is cake. And he has been granted just full access to the train's... Okay, kitchen I feel, car, wait, okay, whatever you on. call it. They don't say her favorite food is cake. He's making her her favorite type of cake. I need yeah, you to understand. They did not say her favorite. I, I wasn't. I really wasn't. Paying he's making her. Really much, like he's making her her favorite cake. microwavable cake. That's so. That was the other thing I noticed. That was in my notes. Is the 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 third note that I have is that they give him just like 
full access to the dining car, full access to the kitchen, just just because, just for fun. He they, they don't know him. He has no credentials on this train. He's, he's just, just a guest. Cool. But they just let yeah, he's just that cool. They just let him in there, and then he sets the, the microwave timer for fifteen minutes, closes the door, which like, and that's that. Never they never even come again. back to it. Never come back to the cake. I do kind of wish we saw that. Like at the very end of the movie, he pulls out the cake and he's like, oh, the cake's ready. I wish. Uh, the only other thing of note is that uh, the guy, the bad guy, instead of trying to like buy or you know steal and sell missiles, uh, he has somehow uh, a satellite that can like cause major it's destruction. An earthquake laser. Yeah, <laughs> that's a better way of putting it. An Hans, earthquake Hans laser. Kind of upset. You're really not. You're not. You're not, you're selling, not selling. I wasn't into it. I didn't really you're care. Not selling it, how it, rad it was boring. This premise is. Okay, let me. It okay, just, let me. Hold on. Let me take over. I. Uh, I. Uh, okay, because here's my. I might. Maybe I'm in the minority here. Maybe this is just me. Maybe this is my hot take. I actually really liked this one. <laughs> really? No. This is this is I, by a I country actually, mile my favorite Seagal film. I had far. a great time. Wait, what? I had yes. a great time. Yes, absolutely. This is your favorite so far? A hundred percent. Not even probably not my favorite, but definitely like top three. I, I won't. I'm not going to say it's actually better or the best. <laughs> it's probably uh, comparing it uh, at least specifically to Under Siege One in any technical or artistic you know measure. Yeah. It is worse. It does everything. I will. It's not the same movie. It does a lot of similar things, not as good, but I had way more fun with it. <laughs> it's very fun. Uh, I because had here's fun the whole okay. Time. I was irritated one day. The entire time. <laughs> one day. Trailer movie trailer voice. Uh, terror. So actually, I can't do the movie trailer voice for more than just the one day. Uh, and even then, I can't really do it. So let me just let me sell you the vision in a more positive spin, not in this begrudging, groaning, angry. Terrorists have hijacked a train because for some reason, if they, they, they hijack a train in order to hijack a military satellite that is so secret, not even the U.S. government knows about it. Apparently, allegedly, in the rules of this universe, the, if they, as long as they keep moving, they can't be traced. So they need to be on a continually moving object so they can maintain a, an untraceable connection with a top secret government satellite that the government doesn't even know about. And so they will use this. First, as a demonstration, to blow up a quote-unquote fertilizer plant that's really manufacturing explosive chemicals in Which China. Which a great moment I did describing like that, that. I that really like that speech. That was great. Say. That was great. Then, but, just for shits and gigs, he gets paid 100000 to blow up. It's an earthquake laser that he uses to... Oh, 100 million, sorry. An earthquake gun that he uses to explode a plane flying in the air, which is very I funny. guess he just, like, vibrates it. Yeah, until it's so hard it until explodes. Until it just shatters, I guess. I really, I and honestly, I would have thought it's like, oh, the vice president's on there or something. No, it's just some guy's ex-wife no. that paid him yeah. to do it. And some then really he threatens to destroy the entire <laughs> eastern says, seaboard. Well, real quick, though, he even says, like, this, you know, I got bigger fish to fry. This is not the, what this thing is made for. Right. And then the guy doing the communication says, oh, he's willing to pay you $100 million. And he stops short and says, Really? Well, maybe we can make See? that work. See? I can figure you're it out. You're laughing. Isn't that... You're laughing. The villain in this is very good. This is the problem. Maybe okay. maybe I need time to stew on these because coming out of this fresh... like My hot takes right now, I'm angry. I'm irritated. You can <laughs> tell in my voice. I didn't enjoy what I just watched. I didn't enjoy my so time watching it. you hated Aaron. You liked it, but maybe I not liked as much it. as me. Yeah, I, I thought it. it was really fun. Because let me... like, Because that's the thing is it's fun is the word. It's not actually great. But, like, 
there's this kind of everyone's done this like oh let's watch a bad movie and have fun with it like this is a dumb action movie but it's fun to watch so far i've not had that even like the mid to passable seagull films yeah i'm like just uh, can we get this over like i'm just like well, not here for it like but this one i was actually this is the first one i watched and i was like i would watch that again i well, had fun yeah with that. like it was dumb it... Every other movie's yeah. been dumb. This one was dumb fun. This is the not, first time I dumb fun. Not to get like too into the details yet, because I, I don't think we're like at that point in the podcast episode yet. But the villain, Eric Bogosian, who plays the villain whose name does not matter, is just he looks like he's having a ball. Travis, um, and it's great. I will say he's very. It, his character is very akin to Tommy Lee Jones in the first one. Maybe mm-hmm. not in Drive, but like character background, nearly identical. And then just his, like, attitude throughout was very much the same, and I did enjoy that. So, Travis Dane, as played by Eric Bogosian, who I, full honesty, I just kept calling him Arno in my head, because he's the guy <laughs> that plays Arno in Uncut Gems. So, yes. yeah. Arno um, and um, Marcus Penn, played by Everett McGill, they very much, like, to Hans's credit, they are trying to do Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey again. And they don't quite have the same star power or panache, but I still think no. they actually do a good job enough that I have fun with yeah. it. It is very funny that Arno from Uncut Gems and uh, Big Ed from Twin Peaks are the villains this time around. A lot of Twin Peaks. A lot movies. of Twin... Okay, a lot of Breaking Bad. Also, we'll yes. get to that later. Breaking Bad, a lot of Twin <laughs> oh, yeah. Peaks that we've had so far. Um, and then Kurtwood Smith also. That was great. Yeah. When I when movie starts and credits roll in and I see Jonathan Banks and Kurtwood Smith, I'm I'm excited. Yes, this is just the kind of dumb fun I'm here for. Whenever it's, I am a DEA agent and I want to stop people from selling drugs, that's just dumb. Whenever it's terrorists hijacked a train so they can hijack <laughs> a secret government satellite to blow up the secret nuclear uh, reactor underneath the Pentagon. Oh, yeah. that's I'm having fun. Like, the Pentagon Zach, was Zachy built Lanky. on top of a nuclear reactor with it. Nobody knows about it. Officially doesn't exist. But all of that was also built on top of a tiny fault line, which yes. this earthquake laser can use to blow up the nuclear reactor, and it's great. And I just, that's another one. I just love Arno's delivery when he's just like, and I blow up the nuclear reactor, which you'll say you don't have. <laughs> that... At that time, it's the same thing as his speech about the what we were just talking about earlier. Yeah, the speech the, like, about the fertilizer plant. Uh, it's the fertilizer plant that they know, or that we know is actually a, a nuclear facility, but they and they know that we know. But I I can't replicate it. It's, it's, oh. it's a weapons plant. We know that it's a weapons plant. They know that we know that it's a weapons plant, but we pretend not to know that it's a weapons plant, and they pretend that they don't know that we know that it's a weapons plant. Yes, flawless. Hans, how can you hate this movie? I honestly, also, I think I might just need more time to stew on these. I'm I'm, about I the told villain. you, I'm coming off. I'm coming out of this one. Oh wait, speaking of, I completely forgot to say. Um, I I was just raw dogging this one, so <laughs> I decided. <laughs> so you, for the last what? few ones, we have been taking notes. I have been very make, making sure I write write down every single thought I have on like pages of notes. This time, I said no. I am. I'm not, if I need to see something again, I'm not rewinding, I'm not taking notes, I'm just watching the movie. (laughs) Except I did, I held true to that until the very end, where I did a lot of rewinding. Like the last, like, (laughs) two minutes of this movie. Yes. We'll we'll get to that when we get to that, but I spent so much time just legitimately analyzing the last two minutes. Other than that, I was like, I'm on the couch. If I don't see, like, you know, if I go, wait, did that just, I I don't care, I'm moving past it, I'm not taking notes, I'm just coming in here, just off the dome yeah can can we just let's let's hit story beats because i'm i'm dying to bring up this one this You're one thing at, at, at bits 
As usual, I have a screenshot bit. that's going to be useful Fun. to you two and no one else. Um, oh, I, oh, but... I brought, oh, I brought some screenshots this time too. Don't worry. <laughs> In the very beginning, when they do hijack the train and Jonathan Banks comes on and yes. the engineers step off the train and say, like, you know, what's going on? He says, somebody's yes. been shot. <laughs> they say, who? And he goes, you, and shoots them. <laughs> now, granted, that was a amazing line with perfect delivery by Jonathan Banks. But yes, then he, legend, when he shoots legend, them... Right? When he shoots them, he shoots them with his eyes closed. Look at this screenshot. Okay, he was a new... This was baby Jonathan Banks. He was not the guy yet. He was not yet capable of being the guy. He had a guy. <laughs> but actually, yeah, no, he shoots them with his eyes closed. I thought that was very funny. Actually, I'm uh, really curious now to see his filmography to see how early this was in his career. I know we're skipping ahead. Wait! Uh, that's fine. We'll I, get, we'll I, get for, there. I forgot that Jonathan Banks was an airplane. Oh. oh wait! Oh, what? He was Gunderson in Airplane. I completely forgot about that. He was in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, this was actually wow. Oh, this oh this guy was in his career. So oh, oh my yeah. god, he was in Airplane. Okay, so anyway, this is not wow. the, this is the Jonathan Banks wow. fan cast. Thank you for joining us to uh, Bank it on Banks, radio, the Jonathan guys. Banks fan cast. Uh, I'm your host Zach. <laughs> lists of stuff. If there's anybody Jonathan that deserves Banks a fan cast, today we are interviewing Jonathan Banks. Who else? <laughs> Jonathan Banks. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> uh oh, so he also things. when his niece at first hates him which understandable because he you know didn't was estranged from his brother or whatever and his niece gives him the cold shoulder and he goes i wasn't trained for this <laughs> and then the first death happens on the train and he goes now this i'm trained for <laughs> see that's actually some good oh, we, we do need to point out his niece played by a young Catherine heigl that was very interesting Oh, that's true, yeah. A 17-year-old Catherine Heigl playing his niece was not what I was expecting. Was she actually 17 at the time, or was she just portraying a 17-year-old? No, that, that that she was 17 in the year 1995 when the movie was made. But no, I will be honest, I was... When they put Steven Seagal and an underage girl in a movie together, I am concerned. A they, little scared? We So, uh, fortunately, there are only like two moments when I'm like, okay, this is creepy. I don't like it. And it was actually with uh, Travis Dane, Arno, more than, or no, 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 no. It was with uh, Marcus Patton. It was with Big Ed. Yeah. More yeah. than it was with Seagal himself. He was actually. I did note at the very end that I, like, I realized that, because we've seen some movies before where there's like no romantic interest in right. it. At the very end, out of nowhere, they make one up just for Seagal. This is the first one where they didn't do that. There's yeah. no so actually, for him throughout the entire movie. So a lot of firsts here. First direct sequel. First um, lack of unnecessary romance. Um, <laughs> first no partner death. He doesn't have a partner with him that dies. It's true. He does have a black sidekick. He but does have a black sidekick. That is not a first. That happens many, many times. <laughs> and I I can't remember. There, there was I'm one. I'm not a bus boy. I'm a poor. <laughs> that that part is great, but there was one part I can't remember what it was. Someone says something, or someone does something, and I was like, "That that feels racially motivated." I don't. But also, this is, I think, one of the first times that he gives his black sidekick like the MacGuffin, like the whole, mm. like, like he, he's uh, holding the CD. Yeah, yeah, he entrusts to his sidekick like the actual goal of everything. Like Seagal puts himself as actually the distraction that allows the sidekick to do the actually the, the billion dollar thing. nuclear uh not nuclear uh laser yeah. earthquake cd code i'm trying not to skip ahead here is there anything we need to talk about from the first like two-thirds of the movie if we're being honest uh no see, ponytail he got shot no ponytail oh no yes. when he, he did gets get shot. shot 
and then he tells the porter, uh, you think this is getting shot? This is not getting shot. But he did get shot in the arm, and he was bleeding all over the like underside of the train, and they never thought they killed him. And then it never, yeah, never comes up. He's yeah. full motion, doesn't even. It, I know, he really, yeah, just brushes it off like this. I, I'm not got shot. I'm like, but you did, though. He yeah, did get shot, uh, he though. definitely did. And then we also got the scene of like when they realize who he is, when they realize that his oh, no, character like is this. Casey Ryback. Every single one of the little goonies goes, "Oh, he's the best there Except is. There's no one, no uh, one's better than him. He was my re- trainer." I actually like this because the main villain just says, "Who I don't. Who is that? Why should I care about who Casey Ryback is?" Which <laughs> I think is amazing because that would not fly in like any right. of the previous Seagal films we've watched. But and also even the scene still boosts his character's ego, but like in a way I actually believe it's not just every yeah. single random person is talking him up. They're like, oh oh yeah, he's pretty good. Oh yeah, you gotta watch out. Yeah. He's good. Like that I could see happen in another movie and I wouldn't just attribute it to the lead actor's ego. At the no. beginning, when like he's walking in and all the chefs are just like, Oh, we love you, Casey. Oh, welcome back, Casey. <laughs> yeah. You're the best Casey. <laughs> that feels Seagal. But that was actually yeah. somewhat fairly restrained. Um, no, actually, we both have a much, much, much more positive watching experience than 100%. I did with this one. I was having a bad time. Oh, I also, I will say something that's funny is every time he says, like every time he gives advice or gives an instruction, he is lying. Like he gives the guy a gun, he tells him how to shoot the gun, and he's like, "And you always, always look where you're pointing. Never point the gun a place you're not looking." And then constantly, he's <laughs> constantly always the gun that. is everywhere except where he's in the scene immediately before and immediately after. He's just like holding the gun in some random direction. He's not looking. At it. Well, he, he always holds all, it across his chest, yeah, like, like like aimed up at his arm. It's weird. But then also later on, when they find his, uh, when the bad guys find his, um. His Apple Newton, which is funny. Yes. He has an Apple Newton that he uses to send out a distress fax to the restaurant <laughs> he works at so they can contact <laughs> so they can contact the secret military guys. Somehow. Not gonna dive into that. Again, dumb fun. Um they're going through and they see his recipes and Arno's like, ooh, that one looks good. And then they get to what was it, Casey's tips or casey's tactics or something he this is he, memoirs no, well but he writes little no, but it's they're it's not really memoirs it's not on this day i was born and then blah 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 it, it's like tips he's writing pro tips to himself and the first <laughs> one is don't be a hero that's the only one you see and that's all he does is he just does heroes he he is the definition of the guy who's being a hero I honestly didn't even see that like anytime he gives advice or a tip or instructions it's immediately undermined by every other thing he does um, like speaking of at the beginning, like the people are just taking hostages and they're not killing any hostages. Steven Seagal shoots one guy in response. They kill the four chefs he was hanging out with while Seagal hides in like the ice locker, which nice callback to the first under siege that yeah. he's hiding in like the fridge there. But I'm just like, Oh, he just, he just got those guys killed. He just he, got them killed he while say, hiding. Get down. And then he hides somewhere yep. else. And they just get gunned down. But I'm like, Locks if you were behind him. You just, if you just didn't kill that one guy, if, if you just hid, but let them take hostage, like, you just definitely got those guys killed and, like, acted like you did. Like, you, because you were being the hero. This is why they tell you don't be a hero, because you just get up four other innocent people killed. <laughs> and just like in the first one, when that, when those guys got killed, when they, when he comes out of the freezer and sees them lying dead on the ground, no reaction. None. Not even, like, a change well, in facial that, expression. Isn't that when he says, no, this, this is what I'm trained, this is what I'm trained for? Oh, was it? Oh, uh, you know what it might remember. be. 
Okay, but he doesn't even. It's, there's but no he was like just, remorse. He was there's just no, palling like, around oh, with man, those guys. These guys were cool. Yeah, and he just he's oh they're dead now. Whatever. I don't Whoops. have emotions. <laughs> I just care about my niece, and that's it. He can he can turn it off. He can turn his his emotions off. So that's be. that's actually those are my only notes up until a lot closer to the end. Mm, fair. Uh, um, oh it, no, when he's making the bomb, when he's making the bomb yes. out of lard or it's, whatever it's what was it's it? Coconut oil. Coconut. Coconut oil. Coconut oil. <laughs> makes a pina colada bomb. The porter, uh, Bobby. Bobby says, "What are you doing, man?" And he goes, "In the most dry delivery I have ever heard from Seagal in all of these movies so far." He goes, "What am I doing? Oh, I'm making a bomb." <laughs> Except, okay, worst, here's the thing that gets the me. worst delivery I, of that line. What am I doing? Oh, I'm making a bomb. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. What I particularly, what I felt about that scene is, if there's a simple way to do something, why would you choose the hard way? He mixes liquor, coconut oil, and lighter fluid, yeah. but then like somehow puts like a, he uses like a pager as a timer, so it's like a bomb yeah. that goes off with a fun little message. But he just made a Molotov cock like that's just he didn't he didn't make a bomb. He made a Molotov cocktail that has a detonator. So why didn't he just shove a, like a cloth into the bottle of liquor? And, and he uses thing. it exactly like that. Like he throws it, and, and that's it what it does. Because it does. Yeah, it does actually, if if it exploded, I'd be like, okay, that's not how that works. But in the movie, that's how it works. It just bursts into fire, and I'm well, like, why didn't he just make it, three Molotov cocktails? He doesn't cocktails. use it as a time bomb. Like why? No. What was the point of the pager? He just tosses and it blows up immediately. He that's made a Molotov really cocktail, but made point. it way too complicated. Well, so it was more like the way he was putting it all together. There was more to it. Like he he wrapped a glass in a towel and smashed yeah, it and like, put yeah. like glass pieces in there so that it would be like shrapnel hey almost. you'd also but know how you could happen. get you also know how you could get glass shrapnel with a molotov cocktail by using a molotov <laughs> cocktail fun fact that would also make no, glass I, explode I don't, i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying like there you're right like he yeah he no one gets a lot of work into this thing they just to make fire. it into like a timed bomb and then he didn't use it as a timed bomb he just chucked it and it exploded and, it, and the glass about, didn't do anything thinking about this whole sequence though when he's like making this bomb at the bar uh it makes me think like i think one of the reasons that this movie works for me is that seagal has in total probably like 20 lines in this whole movie Yes. Yes. And ten it's of those a lot are of him, him climbing back and forth on the outside of the train and not talking. And ten yeah. of him are him trying to talk to his niece and his niece like being a you know a seventeen year old girl not wanting to talk to him. Yeah, it, it, like um he has like a short conversation at the beginning with the other cooks. He talks to his niece like three times in the whole movie. Uh and it's like Actually, it's the five line. He definitely talks to the porter the most often. Yeah, he talks to the porter. Bobby. He kind of comes across as somewhat human in this, actually. Well, and the conversations with the porter guy. uh, You say his name, Bobby. Bobby. Um, Bobby's axe. Yeah, Bobby's axe. When he's talking to Bobby, it's almost all instruction. So, like, he just explains, mm-hmm, yeah. this is what you're supposed to do. Right. And, like, he gives the, the sidekick his instructions, and then they go off and do their separate things. And he hardly talks at all. And I think that, that really works for Seagal. And if he doesn't of, have to talk get, much. When we get to the end, he doesn't give a dumb villain speech. No. <laughs> Actually, I, I was giving you shit cons. The more I think about this, it, the more it is, like, the first under siege. Because it's literally, like, the same exact knife fight. But I would argue, I was actually so upset. This is skipping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, so to, in order to not skip ahead, what happens is like, I believe Han said, he walks back and forth on top of a train a lot. There's a yeah. lot of very bad green screening anytime yes. like one of the like windows or doors on this train is open. Um, 
all I can think of when he first gets on the train is the episode of Archer when Archer's just like, oh, this is my dream. Finally gets me on top of a... <laughs> and just gets hit by the wind. And he's like, oh, this he's sucks. Gun. Ah, ah. He's just kidding. Why would like, anybody do this? <laughs> but Steven Skull just kind of lumbers all over the train, kind of... In fairness, yeah. the train was not going very fast. No, I have a it, problem yeah. with for so many reasons. It really looks we'll like get, it was we'll, going like. Four I have miles some an big hour. things to say about the end of this movie, and we're it's, not uh, there yet. I know. I just, but there's not. It, like a whole lot of nothing happens in between. Yeah, that's what like, happens. There's the beginning, and then over, there's a yeah. whole lot of no. Seagal walking back and forth on a train. The and villain gets it, to banter with his henchmen. The huh? villain also gets to banter with the oh. military's top brass, which is great. When he sends the the France backdrop and he sends yes. the little video thing, talking to him over the video. That's <laughs> right. like you a, know what? a I'll, Zoom call I'll take with the back. France right. background is pretty great. Yeah. Um, because I'm not going to lie, Arno is actually like a pretty fun, charismatic villain in this one. He's very fun. and Definitely. That's like, why I equate him to the t- what Tommy Lee Jones' character was in the first one. It's very much the same vibe. Well, and like he, there are like disagreements among the henchmen, and they they kind of bicker and banter back and forth mm-hmm. but um the main villain travis dane he uh he has the upper hand like he does this thing a couple times where he'll like feed the henchmen's lines back to them mm-hmm. um yeah it's pretty great actually i had he just seemed like he was having fun and i was here for it and actually weirdly enough this is a random comment um like he caught on arno but the first couple times he appeared he really made me think of like a young anthony bourdain Yes. <laughs> it was like really weird, especially because he's like, all right, let's go. Let's fucking do this. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Anthony Bourdain. That's Anthony Bourdain. Um, um, is there anything else kind of in... Uh, I, there is kind of in that whole sequence when he's just one by one taking out all the different people. This is getting towards the end, but not quite the end yet. Um, we do have one of my favorite Seagal lines. I have two that I really like. Should I go ahead and share those or should I save those for it? No, go ahead, because I, I'm almost confident you're about to say what's next in my notes. Uh, when the woman is in the bathroom? Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay, because actually this, like, I'm not going to lie. I No shame in my game. This got an uproarious laughter. I laughed yeah, very hard. Like, I laughed so hard. So for there's a woman in the bathroom, and the guy with the gun, the bad guy, is like, she's one of the hostages. He's like, okay, now hurry up in there. You've had your two minutes. Which, first of all, do not rush a lady in the bathroom. Come on, let's have some class here. <laughs> but she's coming out, and her, not her entire breasts are exposed, but her cleavage is exposed. And she says, I'm sorry, I, I broke my bra. And then Steven Seagal comes out from behind her and just, like, chops the dude in the neck. <laughs> and he says, tits to die for, huh? <laughs> but the way she delivers the line, like, this was ultimate storytelling. Like the, I think this was actually the best storytelling moment in this in this movie that's because of the line. way no the way that she delivers her line because she comes out she doesn't just say oh i'm sorry you know yeah. she, no she comes out she grabs the top of her shirt pulls it down a little bit and says i broke my bra and then Sagal <laughs> comes out and chops the guy uh but just the way she delivers the line like i immediately thought they had a conversation about this right. and she hated this idea and <laughs> but she's like I guess this is what we're going to do. She's this like, means uh, you're going to save my life. He uh, says, I'm Casey Ryback. And she goes, oh, the legendary Navy super soldier, <laughs> Casey Ryback. Okay, of course. And then, so she gives the line, like, she gives the line that he gave him, gave her, in just the best way. Just like, and you I can, hate this. This is a bad idea. you can tell he was all about it. You can tell he was like, yes, this is genius. Yeah. Because everything I do is genius. Yeah. Um, and she hated it, and I loved it. Wait, there's something <laughs> I love the way that she gave that line. 
Oh, there's something that's relatively all I was going to say, but it slipped my mind, so my apologies. Um, but I, I will say, mo- I, I have in my notes... Uh, okay, one one thing that we missed. Uh, when Casey Ryback shows up for the first time, the uh, we get like a slow-mo moment and this musical swell as if we're yes. supposed to be like super excited oh, that Casey, Casey Ryback is Ryback. back. Um, I mean, it is his one good movie. And then, yeah. so we, we, we're remembering not the last movie, but the oh. movie before that where someone decent. No, what I was going to say, yes. I mentioned it's not, it's just for cleavage, not the actual breasts. I do need to point out that this movie literally starts off like the first scene of this movie. Oh, like the first 30 seconds. <laughs> that <laughs> they, they hook up the spy satellite and the guy's looking at a beach and they like zoom and hands, you know, clear up the image. And it's a woman on the beach with her breasts out. And no one, like, they're nobody makes a comment like hey dude you can literally focus on anything else but they're just like oh with how good this this camera is on here you know the targeting system will be great like this amazing spy satellite we have that not even the government knows we have is so cool because we can look at tits from space also there's like a lady there uh yeah well you know like watching and obviously like she's obviously upset by what's going on in the room and then okay this was kind of amazing actually throughout the movie this happened a couple times throughout the movie she just gets like thrown off the train at one point and dies. Like, oh, we need to actually. Okay, but actually, we need to talk she, about right before that is actually a legitimately like. I don't want to use the word heroin, but when yeah, they have a superheated needle that they're going yeah. to stab each other, like the person in the eye, to make them give up information. That's actually like. That was, was kind of cool. Up. That was pretty. Yeah. Cool. yeah, it was, and they didn't. They they threw her, uh, the other guy that she was with. They yeah. threw him off first, and they mm-hmm. just, like, chucked him off the train and then shot him as he was falling. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't really show how that ended. She landed in rapids yeah. in a river, which like, most definitely would have resulted river. in death. Yeah. But they oh, yeah. all they definitely, like, it was almost made to seem like maybe she could have survived. Otherwise, they would have just shown her falling on the ground. Right. But, you know, of course, well, we never I, came back to it. <laughs> I mean, when I was watching, I'm going to be honest, my first instinct was, like, that Seagal was going to, like, save her and, like, she yeah. might be his love interest or something. Like, nope. I was trying to figure out how he saves her. Instead, he just watches her die and he's just like, ah, <laughs> ah, darn. Ah, heck. ah beans. But, ah, beans. <laughs> ah, not again. <laughs> I did, oh, actually, oh, wait, go ahead, Aaron. I did think it was kind of cool that in this movie, like, major characters just kind of die partway through yeah. the movie. And the villain actually does like harm important people mm-hmm. um, oh, like she's okay. one of the people who worked on this project and things and so yeah we do need to give background there's off the train there's a man and a woman who worked on the project so then they're taken hostage by this guy who was we should point out arno was he worked on this project oh, yeah. this is how he knows how to hijack the satellite i can't believe he just forgot this till now he was like <laughs> fired and he's disgruntled he, cre- he created he's it he didn't just work he, yeah he was like his. the main brains behind like it the lead programmer um, on the whole thing and stuff so it's on this train are two of his the other people that worked on the satellite so he's getting revenge on them they are in a relationship probably my least favorite line in the movie the the most disgustingly egregious line in this entire movie is that these this workplace they're a couple this is a workplace couple here they're in a relationship they're on this train together having sex and like when the train like when they first start taking over the train, like it shakes, like, you know, they, during the beginning of the takeover oh, and they're having sex and the guy goes, what was that? And she says, it's called an orgasm. And I hated oh. that line so much. <laughs> Matt Reeves, why did you do that to me? I know I, there were two script writers here. I'm blaming Matt for that one. I don't know. I don't know how I just know, but when she says it's called That's an orgasm, terrible. I hated that line. Um, so the guy, you know, cause it's, he's getting the information. He needs the codes from them, but it's also a little personal. So he has the superheated needle on their eye. But I also need to point out uh, the actress Afifi Aloui. Yes. 
she is like I don't even think she's named in the movie. She's just one of his mercenaries. It's just this woman no, she's who's one of his as mercenaries. Female mercenary. It's actually really weird though. On IMDb, it just says female mercenary. I don't actually know what it said in the credits. On Wikipedia, it says Fatima, the sole female of Penn's mercenaries. She might have a name. It's not said in the movie. But she, she only has was, like three lines. I don't even think she has a line. I don't even remember her. She's talking. like stone cold in this movie. But she is so amazing. She's the one that shoots him when he gets shot but doesn't get shot she shoots yeah. him and says that she got him like she has a oh, okay, says yeah, she yeah, got okay. him and then when she's chasing bobby up the ladder on the helicopter which we haven't gotten to yet right she says something to him about like but you she's know like it's a throwaway line like, but like it's pretty great he's got all his goons which are just movie goons and she shows up and just immediately has the screen presence like i was actually like this she's legitimately amazing She's, like, mm-hmm. one of the best parts of this movie. And I looked her up, and she just has, like, seven acting credits. Yeah, like, almost ghosted. nothing. And, like, Afifi Aloui, like, please, I I need to talk to you. I need to know more about this. Because you were <laughs> probably the best. She's also, I should point out the reason I thought of this. She's the one that's holding, like, the superheated laser. And she is just stone cold, like, putting this, I keep calling it laser, the needle, like, into their eye. And you feel, like, her facial expression in every scene is just perfect. Like, she is the surprise. Like, I, you know, Jonathan Banks and Kurtwood Smith, those are fun. She is the surprise. Just like, I don't even, I don't know this actor before or after, but just killed it in this role. Yeah, I, I can get on board props. with that. Um, which I think, do we need to go ahead and... I had, so, I had one note that oh, I wanted yes. to say early on in the movie. I wrote down, I love how everyone states exactly what's happening and why at all times. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually, that is honestly pretty helpful to a movie like this. <laughs> like, everyone but, explains what they're about to do, and then they do it, and then they explain to you what they did. It's really funny, because actually just earlier, just yesterday, I was reading a book, and this guy talked about his advice for public speaking is, tell people what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you told them. And it's literally, that's what they do. Yes. Was there a certain thing that happened awesome. that made you think of this? Was there something you want to highlight? or? Oh, it was after... Casey thinks that his niece Sarah is drinking and so he goes to the bartender and says what is in her drink and the bartender's like oh it's nothing um, well because like, well okay actually I do have to give credit that's kind of a fun line because he's just like oh the the 17 year old with a really bad ID or something like that like I thought that was yeah. yes yeah it was kind of funny uh, and so he goes over to her and like tries to have a conversation and it just goes really badly and she's really rude and so he gets up and goes back to the bar and orders like a real drink. Sarah, his niece, comes over and just explains to him her emotional state. Yeah. Uh, that she is like, she says, I am grieving my father, and so I am lashing out against you uh, because of the strangeness no, wait, of the No, it's situation. even worse. She literally says, like, I knew when I saw you, I would, like, let you know I'm displeased, but now we're cool. Like, she just says, like, okay, now I'm over that. You're yes. right. <laughs> yeah. And for the rest she, she's of the talking movie, about, she's oh, talking, I got like, this. This is the navy cross around my neck. It's for my cool uncle. He's got like all kinds of cool mm-hmm. crosses. Yeah. Awards that. Which, why would they make a medal for that? <laughs> why would they make a medal? You're not allowed to show it. You just give them the honors. Do they have like another secret medal making facility below the regular medal making facility in the navy? <laughs> well, it's right next oh, to yeah, no, 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 the yeah, nuclear yeah, reactor. Yeah, yeah, below thing. that. Although, speaking of, this is the very, very end of the movie, but he does actually, I know for a fact, he does wear his navy whites. He wears his actual uniform for this one. I was so excited about that. He finally, at the end of the movie, um, last shot of the film is oh, wearing his Oh, and I whites. will also point out, it's this is a smaller one. This is very funny early on, but when he's uh, 
when he and the porter first team up, he makes some comment. He's just like, take the take that white uniform off or something like that. That felt like a, an intentional like reference yeah. to it. Uh, before we get into, before we go too far down the rabbit hole of like people who worked on this movie, let's talk about this finale. Oh, the finale! Oh my God, yes, the finale. Uh, <clears throat> oh, it's so bad. I love yeah. it. Well, so generally, I think we need to recap what happens because it's a lot and it's all at once. <laughs> they decouple the train cars that the hostages are on, so they're fine. They're safe. They're they're free. Yeah. There was a helicopter flying in to pick... Oh, so it was very weird watching this, honestly, living in Pittsburgh right now in mid-February. I don't know when this episode's going to drop, but in mid-February, Pittsburgh right now. Oh, the, yeah, this was, like, so really timely. they strange. decide to... The main villain, Arno, he says, like, ah, oh, don't worry, we're going to get off at the next place. I've got an escape plan. But what he doesn't reveal is the escape plan is, like, just for, like, you know, the higher-ups. He does, like, you know, a Dark Knight, like, Joker thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that the whole time. Um, Which were... Okay, actually, side note. Did anybody else think that, like, they did not ask for enough money? Yeah. This was also... Like they're talking about the Pentagon. Okay, I did the math, though. This When they asked for a billion dollars, calculated for current money, that is $1.98 billion. It's about $2 billion they asked for in today's money. That doesn't seem like a lot. For it what doesn't doing. seem... Like for to the... sink the entire eastern seaboard, they ask for, like, one twentieth of what Twitter costs. <laughs> That's a... I hate... I hate... That that's a comparison that you can draw. I See, I don't, I don't want to mention the the man himself that bought it. But like, yeah, while I was watching, that's all will. I could think about. Is I'm like, what you asked for is how much Elon is like losing on Twitter every single day. For hijacking a satellite and destroying the entire eastern seaboard, killing like millions of people. Even if it were just the Pentagon. Just the right, Pentagon. Right, right. Just the Honestly. building. A billion that's dollars? That's more than a billion dollars. The, gov- the government probably says, oh, yeah, sure. Yes, absolutely. Take it. We have a trillion dollar budget. Like, like honestly, a, a billion dollars is a lot. But the whole time, I'm just like, I was picturing like the Dr. Evil. They're like, wait, that, like that's nothing. That's not nearly <laughs> that's enough. actually not that much. Because yeah. like a billion dollars is a lot. But I'm like, for what you're doing. Yeah, for the threat that you are making right. here, this is not that terrifying. That it would make you a billionaire, which yes, that is something. But I'm just like, like again, all I could think of was this Twitter comparison. I'm just like, you're not even... You're not even a minority of a minority stakeholder in the website that Zach uses to argue with 15-year-olds about movies. And that's what you're going to blow up the entire like, yeah. East Coast. Zach part. should really stop doing that. Take it from my cold, dead hands. Um, actually, it'll probably just... That website's going to like stop working in like a week, so... <laughs> I'm free. Um, but they decouple the train cars. They... Yeah change the route that the good guys decouple the train cars the bad guys change the route the train is going to go to have Mm. it go into a head-on collision with another train that's carrying like gasoline was it petrol yeah Yeah. which i did like this i there was a uh bobby the porter became very important for a second Mm. because he's the one who tells seagal what's going on because he's traveled this route like hundreds of times yeah he knows where the train should go and he knows that they've changed tracks which like kicks everything into high gear uh, yeah, and I thought that was actually a kind of a cool moment that Seagal relies on the expertise of the people who mm-hmm. are assisting him instead of just happening to like in other Seagal films Wait, I would have expected I felt, him to just like train just that knowledge. Yeah, he was This isn't know. the routes. Yeah. Like, oh, actually before we went on this, I memorized the entire train route by looking at the transit map. Right. So I know exactly where we No, he's like Bobby looks outside the window and says, Oh, we usually pass on the other side of this town. Yeah. But, look that felt like so an actual we've changed tracks. Moment. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, it was very competent weird writing. I thought that was cool in the Seagal movie. And it was just very weird, like I mentioned, for two of us living near Pittsburgh, that like an hour away from us, 
like an hour northwest of us, the big East Palestine, Ohio train derailments. Which, interestingly enough, so I I have this problem where sometimes I'll say things, but I'll say it with the same tone. I'll say serious things with the same tone. I'll say like non-serious things. So when this like first happened, I mentioned this to my wife, Sarah. I said like, oh, did you, you know, I heard about the derailment. And she like didn't realize I was talking about a real thing. And I was like, oh, no, like the like the disaster, like the really bad thing that's going to poison like half of the country, like that thing. But I just kind of said it with like the same casual tone. I just like say like, oh yeah, you know, the, the, talking about the, this movie on the podcast tonight. I'm just like, oh yeah, I hear about like, you know, the train that derailed. Like that was just mm-hmm. an interesting conversation to have. <laughs> They're on that track. Um, the government is trying to simultaneously get control of the satellite again to self-destruct it, which I guess they had the whole time. They're trying to self-destruct the satellite because blowing it up with a missile before it didn't work. Um, that was another one. I can't remember where this reference comes from. I want to say it's like Futurama or something. I can't remember where it is. There's some TV show where they try to like blow up a dangerous satellite in space and they miss and they're like, wait, what did we hit? And the other person's like, you just took out HBO or something like that. <laughs> it's <I kinda laughs> it is Futurama. That. Okay. They're fighting the Omicronians. Yes. They think they blew up the mothership and uh, <laughs> Brannigan goes, so what did we actually destroy? And Kip looks down at the map and says, the Hubble Telescope. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of. I swear I remember there was something else where it's like, oh, you just took out like HBO on the East Coast or something, but I'm not going to remember the reference. Um, I took Fox off the air when he accidentally spilled beer on the broadcasting platform. Hey, welcome to the Futurama FanCast. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, oh, but so I they're trying like to self-destruct. Moment where like they blew up something. Yeah, like, what, when it was the NSA satellite. What was that? And they're just like scrambling around to figure out what was going on. That's that was kind of cool um but also they're sending like stealth fighters to destroy this train um to like make sure that they can't complete their like bombing of washington dc which was very funny um because in real life like a stealth fighter can be like miles away and hit you with something i like how in this one they were like 12 feet above the train (laughs) when they got when the when arno blew him up with his space laser yeah like, like not very stealthy gents but again mirrors like literally exactly right. mirrors the first one it does. This, like it does. this whole movie is a mirror yeah, of the first one just on a train instead of a boat because they were gonna scramble right. fighters to sink the ship so that they wouldn't be able to get the missiles off in this one they scramble fighters that blow up the yeah, train right. because that was a, a lesser but also like casualty number than if they actually blew up the whole eastern seaboard but then there was a very weird they kept doing these shots of the pilots in the fighter jets where it'd get like really close to their reflective goggles and it was like no Okay, no, this was a thing that I noticed at the whole movie. It was shot uncomfortably close very yeah. often. <laughs> but, like, those well, ones were... Because t- they also, they got close, I, like, went upside down or something. It was, like, super weird the way they shot these yeah, think, pilots. I, I yeah. think you are you are right, with because they, they did shoot them really weirdly close to the pilots. But, Aaron, I think it's, be, like, I think you're right, but I think that's also because they were probably in close quarters, like, in... In a train. Like, train cars. But even, even like, yeah, outdoor, outdoor shots. Yeah. No, you're so right, like no, when uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, the mercenary, when he like shoots the train conductors and they take over the train, it's in an the outdoor in the aforementioned screenshot that yeah. Fox posted. They're outside, yeah, right. but like you're when right. the conductor <laughs> when gets shot, it's just like gun. a close up of his chest exploding, and you can barely tell what the like where everyone is in space because everything is just like these head on, really close shots. Also, I will, I do need to point out, I was actually very sad the entire time, because in Breaking Bad, Jonathan Banks' character is not, there is a train heist, and Jonathan Banks' character is not involved. I kept wanting to make a joke, but it wouldn't actually, like, work, because he wasn't in that part of it, like, he didn't do that in the show. 
But like, I, I love that he takes over the train and he puts on the on like the, the hat. I thought that was fun. That was a nice little Jonathan Banks moment. Just keep going. We we got to get through this because there's there are things we're we're dragging this out way too much. The helicopter comes to pick yeah. the guys up. Yeah. Uh, Bobby climbs the the ladder of the helicopter, puts a gun him. to the pilot's head, and says, "You got to keep." Well, this first thing he right he knocks off he, he fights off the super the badass gal that I'm a big fan of. He like beats her, and the guy's like, "Oh, I'm glad you took care of him, honey." And then you know the porter comes up behind, like, "Now nah, you're gonna fly <laughs> yeah. this helicopter for me, honey." I yeah, was, again, that's pretty great. That's, there's I so many say. good lines. <laughs> and then the of the like last of the cronies that are left, the like head guy aside from the I can't remember his name, the white haired guy, big Ed. oh the big uh, big henchman. Yeah. Anyway, he decides. Of course, he has to have a hand to hand like I'm combat going to fight, fight with Seagal. Hand yeah. Why? So it actually, I I will say it was kind of not clever but it actually made a little bit of sense like he holds her hostage and like puts a, a grenade next to her and like pulls the pin and says like you can either fight me hand to hand like you can either do what i say we're gonna do or you can shoot me and then we blow up and i do something i do appreciate is that we've mentioned this before all the situations where seagal just like is so cool he just puts his gun on the ground and he he decides to hand to hand it was refreshing that another it was like this yeah. villain that kind of has yeah. at this point now a vendetta against Seagal because Seagal's been yeah. like proving how he's not actually as competent as he thinks. Yeah. I actually liked that. It makes more sense than any other time it's happened in any other movie. They have a right. they have a knife fight, which I was so ready to say was better than the first under siege knife fight, because it actually starts <laughs> yeah. off decent, but then it becomes yeah. whip, 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 just hands moving for no reason. Yeah, just, like the first yeah. Three seconds of this knife fight gave me. I'm so like, much oh, hope. okay, and then, <laughs> like yeah, the first two exchanges with the knives, I'm like, oh, oh, is it gonna be like an actual knife? Nope, never mind. But I'm then sorry. he defeats the man in the the kitchen, and this has probably my second best, my second favorite line yep. in the movie when he says, "Nobody beats me in the kitchen." <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm riding the fun train here. That's what's happening. Yeah, I guess. I get you. like I I'm coming around, but then this is so this is where it all falls yes. apart for me. This yes. is where literally it all falls so, apart. Because he so the the guy the guy running control of the webs of the satellite and everything. He packs up his gear. He like is getting prepared to climb the ladder. Seagal busts in after he killed the other guy and rescues his niece and he says like so there's no way to shut this thing off and the guy says no like it's it's gonna happen it's gonna happen there's nothing you can do about it so seagal shoots the briefcase that he's holding that i guess is yes. like no it's, they not, had, it's, it's they a laptop had so it's, not, it's a laptop it's whatever. his laptop with a walkie-talkie like um tape to it the, they yeah they had to so the much stuff like they had uh, like a massive amount of equipment that they brought on this train to control the satellite and like set things off and he's taking just this one laptop with him, and Seagal shoots the laptop, and that is what relinquishes control of the satellite. I love it. And he literally goes, no, he government. goes, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Seagal shoots it, and he goes, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's like the dumbest, it, oh, it's so infuriating. So then Seagal and his niece climb the rope ladder up onto the helicopter, and then this guy's not dead. He was shot, but he's not dead. Okay, wait, wait, climbs, hold on. like on hold Seagal's on. leg. As the train, we we see a shot of the train on a, of course, on a bridge, running headfirst into the other train. 
And like we get, it's just a, it's a throwaway shot. It's just a half second. Oh, I have so you much to say of, about this half second, though. <laughs> I know, but you see this just half second of Jonathan Banks' face, of, of like plain, oh, no, no surprise, plain as day, as they run headfirst, train in a train. Didn't even try to stop it. Like we saw, he was able to stop the train like on a dime. In the past two times, they had to stop the train. He did it almost instantly because there's only like eight cars to the whole thing. It's not like a massive train. So they stopped the whole thing instantly. Neither party tries to stop their train. They run headfirst in each other going eight miles an hour each. And then the whole freaking bridge, it just explodes from underneath That's them. Awesome. Awesome. And oh, they yeah. managed to escape whatever big explosions because there's a shit ton of gasoline, right? That's all fine and good, whatever. This is directly after the film, the previous film that we watched had a four-minute, previously before edits, 11-minute sequence of Seagal talking about how corporations pollute the planet and how we're screwing ourselves over in this world and all this other stuff. And in his next movie, he derails two trains and explodes, like, a whole bunch of cars full of gasoline. Okay. Something I will point out. We've talked about this before. Steven Seagal likes to state themes and then immediately undermine those themes. Yes. It's okay. just I. It, okay. it's, but you glossed, uh, you glossed over so much. This is like I know, I know. I have, I, had, I, I, I have so a whole, so, I have a like, whole podcast what, worth to talk about irritated. the last like two minutes of the movie. <laughs> I know, but you just left. This is like this. The whole thing. It just left me so irritated it with the. It's like it's it beautiful. doesn't matter how fun the rest of the movie was. No, that, this is the, the last part. two minutes. No, this, this is the fun part. It. No, the super. The last two minutes are super fun. This is no, the fun part. Disagree. No, so okay. he's like sprinting down. No, 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 no. He's not sprinting. <laughs> the train is current. I, you really buried yes. the lead because you said they both get on the ladder. That's not what happens. The no, niece no, no. gets There's on a the whole ladder. Sequence before that. The niece gets on the ladder. The porter says, "Now fly this ladder to the back of the train." As it's colliding, like the front of the train is crumpling in from hitting the other train. Sagal is just kind of lightly jogging away <laughs> from it. <laughs> so then he can jump out the back and catch the ladder but so actually i don't you mentioned the half second the one you talked about was jonathan banks dying which was very funny um because like you said in another movie they would cut to him being like oh no oh no and trying to stop but hitting and this one he just has a completely blank expression on his face he's like yep i'm hitting the other train like he's cool with it yeah i don't know why that's a weird decision but the half second i need to talk about aaron if you have other thoughts i'll let you go first because yeah, i really need to talk about this um arno my man arno i got some so, screenshots to share like here's my question so seagal spends like a couple minutes in the sequence lightly jogging to the back of the train as things are exploding yeah uh, like the train the train is falling off the tracks the bridge it's on is crumbling into the water like down down this cliff uh he jumps onto the ladder and somehow the villain grabs his leg yes okay that's what uh, i want to talk about how, what huh <laughs> okay so there's no explanation first first of all i think it needs to be pointed out this scene is by far the most chaotic thing that i've ever like seen happen in like a mainstream blockbuster movie it's like great. while you're watching most of this movie it's like a reasonably paced action film and then it gets to the end here and it like literally becomes like or like soviet montage theory cinema towards the end like <laughs> yes. things are happening faster than your brain can even process like yeah. I, like i said i was just watching this movie sitting on the couch <laughs> this last two minutes i had to like go back rewind like so many times because we are straight up doing like uh sergey eisenstein like lev kuleshov type like the images are happening faster but like so your brain is creating meaning out of like incomprehensible mush um yeah so if you've studied soviet montage cinema um montage oh, theory hey. There's this, I, uh, Sergei Eisenstein, who's the pioneer of that, 
he had this quote where he says, montage is an idea that arises from the collision of independent shots. And he talks about how um, you're not watching shots after one another, or like you're not watching shots next to one another, you're watching shots that shots that are on top of one another. And that is what the last like minute of this movie feels like. Like so much is happening so fast that the brain can't comprehend it. It like is just pure visual overload. Yeah. And like there's terrible compositing of like the explosions. There's awful compositing. (laughs) There is no like linear like explanation of events. Like you said, this guy Arno getting on in the helicopter. Like there is no if you map out the geometry of this, it like it is impossible. So much is <laughs> happening in it. Um, but this is where I so this I like rewound and like watched this like so many times. But there's a specific like half second that I swear to God I was analyzing like frame by frame the way that people look at like the Zapruder film. Like I was trying <laughs> to figure out what the hell was happening because Seagal shoots the laptop. He goes, I didn't think of that, and falls off the train. And yes. then it's, and it shows this shot, which I don't know if you like noticed this, but like it's the side, it's like the ground next to the train, and Arno's there, but he's like moving at a different frame rate. Mm-hmm. Like he like stuttered. Like he just moves like they just took five frames but tried to stretch it out over like a second. <laughs> um and it's so weird because also, like I took a screenshot here that this is useless to those of you watching, but he yeah. like the lighting is completely f- like he does not fit the scene at all his like arm is phasing through rubble like there even just this one shot does not make sense but then i realized later on that there's the scene when he's trying to get like climbing the ladder on the helicopter it's the same exact one like i had to go back and look at this so they clearly what happened is they filmed the shot where he's climbing the ladder because his like hands actually work here he is gripping something and he's like cigar you I don't know, he's saying it's like dumb shit. Seagal closes the door and it cuts off his fingers and he falls. But like, I assume what happened is they shoot him falling off the train. And then he was just on the helicopter and they decided like we need something to connect them. And they could not get something that makes sense to connect them. So they did the next best thing, which is show that he's like at least alive after falling off the train. So they show him like horizontally gripping rubble as though he is clinging to it vertically and like it is literally like i went through he's making the same face so they took like this earlier shot they had and it like like i said it's actually super weird to watch this is one of the jankiest things i've ever seen in like a hundred million dollar blockbuster actually in a 60 million dollar blockbuster which adjusted for inflation would be over that's way too much money yeah but like it is the jankiest thing i've seen in a movie of like this budget or anything because you can like tell it was just inserted in there and it's not even like they smoothed it or like he literally moves like a powerpoint (laughs) but the thing you just need to understand is while you're watching this like you see the same explosion like five times because they just really draw that out yes but like trains are going into one another in like an mc escher like hellscape (laughs) that seagal is lightly jogging through at the same time like stealth bombers are getting blown like it is this POV shot. It is like the film just rolling in <laughs> on its on top of itself. Like I truly, while I was watching this, all I could think was that it was just all of the hopes, all of the ambitions, everything this movie wanted to be just coming to a head, just like in one brief fateful moment. Like just the pure craziness of this entire premise, like became too much, and it just like condensed in upon itself like a black star. It is like amazing. And then Not in a good way. Not good, but it is then, amazing. And then he stands at his brother's grave, and then the credits oh, yeah. roll. Like there is no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The craziest Nothing. thing. So 
This isn't technically the last scene because the last scene is the two of them standing like in Arlington at his grave, him and the niece, and then like Catherine Heigl and the credits start rolling. But that like somber shot is preceded by like the craziest thing I've seen in a movie like that yeah, I can remember in the last like explosion, 10 years. explosion, trains. Casey Ryback. Ah, no, no continuity. Oh yeah, and while he's climbing up the ladder, he's even like trying to do like a "Hey, we can work together" type thing for no reason. <laughs> And I love hard, I, hot, like hard cut to standing bam. at the standing at the grave, and then the credits roll, <laughs> and I just laughed uproariously when the credits started to roll. You see, like the they do, they blow up this, they self destruct the satellite. Like there was a one second cutaway of yes. all the important like big wigs like self destructing yeah. the satellite, hearing the hostages are safe and just like cheering. They're like hugging each other and yeah. stuff. Kurtwood Smith is having this big victory moment. It's oh. honest to God, I'm I missed all of this. I was so irritated was by so everything. Okay, you, you should go I, back and rewatch like the last I five just, minutes. I just I must have just blocked it out because I was just no, so frustrated. You didn't block it out. Like the moving images no. here were moving and cut together faster than the human mind can process. <laughs> it is so. literally visual spectacle. It is overwhelming. So this this brings me to something that I really I, I looked up because I was fascinated by this. Because yeah. so on this on this edition of let's look at all the people who worked on this movie yes oh yes uh usually we're looking at actors but i had such problems with and just such a a morbid curiosity into Mm -hmm. how this film Mm -hmm. got put together that i needed to know who the principal editor was wait okay i'm looking at his page now this is wild michael tronick yes who before this movie had done a few things uh streets of fire beverly hills cop 2 and then he goes on to do he was the editor for Meet Joe Black, Remember the Titans, Scorpion King, Mr. Wait, 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 hold, hold on, don't, don't skip over Blue Streak. That's a pretty good uh, Martin okay, Lawrence. Blue Streak. Ma- okay, hold on. Martin Lawrence, Luke Wilson. Odd pairing. Martin <laughs> yes. Lawrence, Luke Wilson are in a buddy cop film, Blue Streak. You should actually watch it. Did Mr. and Mrs. You'll Smith love it. Hairspray. Hans will love it. He did a couple uh, concerts, which that yeah. makes sense. He did a Miley Cyrus and a Jonas Brothers concert, Bedtime Stories, Green Hornet. Oh, he was um, not the main one, but he was an additional editor for Iron Man. Yes. Straight out of Compton, Bright, the Netflix <laughs> modern fantasy movie, uh, and Tomb Raider. So, like, this guy has worked on what I would consider pretty famous movies. Uh, like, a lot, like, an editor on a, a lot of pretty famous movies, but also, with a few exceptions, movies and film projects that are, in my opinion, very strangely edited. Yeah. Oh, uh, the He's Green got a Hornet. Style. The Green Hornet too. Green Hornet, bright. Yeah. yeah. Um, and okay. then music stuff. He has like, a style. It's not glorified good, but he has music a style. videos. I'm, yeah, I'm, he definitely I'm sorry, has a style. Michael Tronick. That was me, and that wasn't cool of me. He definitely has a style that, like, I I don't really like. I find it frenetic and like really, I don't know. I found the like the editing style of this movie kind of detracted from things because everything was just like frantic. Uh, even when it didn't need to be. And then when it got to the end, it got really frantic. And then jumping ahead, Jeff Murphy was the director. It seems like the biggest thing he worked on was he was the second unit director for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, wow. Which, that's that's an accomplishment. You know, like a main director, the second unit director for something in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. that's... And then, another thing. So we have talked about, in all these movies, how you have incredibly famous people. Yes. In these movies. So I looked at the casting director. The Is casting it... director, Louis DiGiamo, that sounds like a Seagal character. It does sound like a Seagal character. He did not do any of the casting for any of the other Seagal movies, which I was surprised. I would think mm. that these would have like all have the same yeah, yeah. casting director. They do not. 
However, this guy's first credit as a casting director is for The Godfather. Oh. Okay. His, his that's his Damn, first. Okay. His first wow. credit is The Godfather. Huh. It's only downhill uh, from there. You could still you could <laughs> cast the like nine of the ten greatest movies ever made after that, and you're still start lower than your first one. Well, his fourth credit as casting director is for The Exorcist. Huh. Okay. Okay. And then he's he's done like a whole bunch of other stuff that uh, people might know, like um, Porky's Revenge, Invasion USA. Okay, you said he's done some other stuff that people might know, and then listed the two movies that people are guaranteed to least know. Well, did Under Siege two, and then oh, I know Under Siege two. I know. I keep going. Uh, and for, he did things like GI Jane. Mm, okay. Gladiator. He was the cast director oh, for Gladiator. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hannibal. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the he has like really high highs and very low lows. Um, I mean, but like, director, but... okay, but you're the casting director, like. I'm not going to blame him if a movie doesn't go right. Like, no, no, no. It, it yeah, that's not cast. what I'm saying. But, yeah. like, he, I think in this one, in this movie, he did a really good job. Like, we've mentioned yeah. some of the, just like the small background characters. Yeah. Uh, did a really great job. Like, Afifi Aloui, awesome. Uh, amazing. Where Hardly did you go? Please come any back. lines. Don't know what happened to her after this. Hardly anything as far right. as Hollywood goes. Um, but then I think all the main ones we've kind of talked about. So we had. Um, Arno. Also, actually, this dude, I need to like look up more of his work, um, Eric Bogazian, because he also is like a playwright and a historian professionally. Oh, yes, I have a note that, okay, Eric but Bogosian, he's... sure, he was in Uncut Gems. He was and on Uncut Gems. Great he movie. was Excellent movie. Uh, in like 60 episodes of Law and Order, sure. But one of his earliest credits, he was on an episode of Reading Rainbow as a character named Conan the Librarian. And <laughs> I just love that. Okay, that's great. I thought that was that's brilliant. That's pretty great. Um, um, but he, yeah, he was fantastic in this. Um, and funnily enough, I just, uh, last week, we just saw Adam Sandler live. And there was just like mm-hmm. a one second shot of like him. So I, of like well, Uncut Gems. So that's, that's all. Even though I saw that movie like a, two years ago at this point or something. You know, just, you know, this being, like, my most exposure to Eric Bogosian as an actor, he should get more work, because... He has a lot of work. I was like, he has a lot of work. He could still Uh, get more work. I agree with you. Have you seen Uncut Gems? You should watch Uncut Gems. I have not seen Uncut Gems. Welcome to the Uncut Gems. Welcome to Cut Gems, the Uncut Gems fan cast. Uh, Next season is Adam Sandler. (laughs) Was it? Next Next season is Adam Sandler. I would actually... I'm not going to lie. When I was seeing Adam Sandler live, I did have that same thought. Because mm-hmm. right now we're watching Seagal, who is just bad movies. I'm really interested to have someone who actually has very high peaks highs. and lows, very low lows. <laughs> I was gonna so say, I, start I was, out really high, and then right. you go downhill pretty quick. But no, but you still you got some highs. You have uncut. I would love to talk about uncut gems, ironically. So I've I would still be, never seen it. Well, when we do the Adam Sandler, uh, you know Adam Sandler. Mm, that's bad. <laughs> um, Aaron can come up with that name. He's good at that. But oh, I was trying to think of him. I thought, what else? Liam Neeson, and there's someone else. I had like three names on my short list. For, oh, like, a fun we season could do an entire. Oh, but if we do Liam Neeson, we get to watch about... the Star Wars prequels. So yes, <laughs> we could do an entire hour-long podcast about Liam Neeson climbing a fence and taking three. <laughs> right? Okay. See now, uh the next like four seasons of this. Hey, everyone! I just want to let you know we're not like Netflix here. We have greenlit the next four seasons of this still untitled <laughs> podcast. Just because I'm so excited to talk about like so many names we've said here. Um, anyway, going back, uh, 
Big Ed from Twin Peaks. Uh, Everett yes. McGill, fantastic Lots in of his Twin role. Twin Peaks in Seagal movies. What is up with that? Catherine Heigl. I mean, the boring answer is that they were actors working in like the nineties. Like, oh well, I guess sure. that you know, Million Monkeys. You have some crossover. You know, because we're also there, like ma- secretly a David Lynch connection here. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. We're brushing past that. Um, Catherine Heigl <laughs> as Sarah Ryback. That was cool. I do, I do actually like at one point. This is going back, but when the terrorists are trying to find. Casey Ryback's niece, she uses the name Bobby Zacks, who is the porter, and I thought that was fun, because it is, like, Bobby Zacks, like, is technically a gender-neutral name. Like, I thought that was just yes. kind of, like, a fun moment. Like, I'm picturing Bobby spelled with an I at the end. Is there any... Oh, and uh, Kurtwood Smith. So we have, you know, the, uh, 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 Red Foreman from that 70s show. Oh, yeah! He's one of the, the top brass military guys. It's this and, uh, Robocop are, like, my two favorite roles of his outside of that 70s show. Yeah! Is there anyone else I'm missing from the... And, of course, again, I need to reiterate, Afifi Aloui, like, amazing. Best part of this movie. <laughs> no, she actually kind of stole the show for me. Yeah, honestly. Like, I'm just like, this unnamed, this allegedly unnamed henchman is, like, killing it. Uh, henchperson. Yeah. Henchwoman. I'm sorry. Um, any other names I need to highlight there? I think you have um, all. Yeah, I mean, nobody that's, like, you, nobody that jumps you know, out. screaming out to me. I mean, so, I mean, we can go down, like, the stuntman yeah. rabbit hole. The, the oh, this, this, this movie has a stuntman rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, they all the will, stunt. though. They're all well, the stunt. We've said this no, no, before. No, they all have to be stuntmen. They will, but. also act. There was one in particular that I saw earlier. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but I think Aaron has it. Really? Well, I, and I do just want to point out something very funny, that Steven Seagal's stunt double in this movie is uncredited. Oh! <laughs> Rhino Michaels. Oh, come on. That According guy, that, that was probably the hardest working guy in this entire movie. Give him a credit. Which, okay, one. Wait, is Steven Seagal trying to insinuate that he did his own stunts? <laughs> really? Just wait, just wait until we get to his later movies, and the, it's the stuntman switch is so obvious, because they don't get someone that's actually his weight. They have, like, a skinny stuntman with Steven Seagal's clothes on, and then you it swaps back to Steven Seagal, who's easily 60 pounds heavier. I have another, uh, below the fold, another crew member that I wish to mention. Oh, yes. So we're watching, we get to the very serious, you know, salute at the end, his estranged mm-hmm. brother, the credits are rolling, and it starts playing this song, a kind of soul, soulful, uh, very, uh, 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 an interesting song. And the song is, I realized, like, the credits at some point, it's saying after the train is gone, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun that they found a song that's kind of like soulsy, bluesy song about like a train. Like that's very fitting. So I have to look it up because I'm like, oh, I wonder like who wrote this, like where they found it from. It was written for this movie. They did not find a song about trains for the credits of the movie. They wrote uh, a song about trains for the movie. And when I say they wrote, I mean Steven Seagal wrote. That <laughs> Wait, Steven was this Se- from one of his albums? This wasn't from one of his albums. As far as I can tell, this is just on the soundtrack for Under Siege 2. This wasn't like another... Like he, the end credit song, he's, it's not the only writing credit. There's like two or three other people credited with writing it. But Steven Seagal allegedly contributed to writing this After the Train Has Gone song that plays over the credits. And I'm actually like upset to report that like I was like enjoying oh the gosh, song wait. when I looked that up. I didn't even listen to it. As soon as, I, as, soon as the credits started rolling, I shut that shit down. I was so irritated with this movie. Can I can I go down one stunt rabbit hole? Sure. Yeah. So I I have discovered No, we're not allowed to talk about the movie on this podcast about the movie. So the fight choreographer. <laughs> so not a stuntman, uh, okay. not a stunt performer, but the fight choreographer, so the one who like planned out all the fights in this in this movie, Clint Kadena. 
Clint, okay. you did a bad job. No, well, okay, hold on. No, okay, he was wait. working with what he had. <laughs> Give my man Clint some credit. You take that back about Clint. <laughs> One of wait my biggest minute. notes was that they can't chore- like can't create Hans, any kind of wait choreography. Wait a second. You no, try no. to make Steven Skull knife fight. Clint is about to <laughs> you totally fucking try. redeem himself. Thank Clint you. is about to totally redeem himself. So first Keep my thing, man's name out your mouth, Hans. He was a stunt double in 69 episodes of 21 Jump Street, the original nice. uh, show. <laughs> Before he did Under Siege Two, the good times. he was a he was a stuntman in Point Break, nice uh, Batman Returns, nice uh, and the Last Action Hero, nice he was the fight choreographer for Demolition Man, nice The Crow, nice. he was a, a stunt performer on Speed, nice um, and then finally okay he did Under Siege Two, hey Speed was a good movie shot upon and then uh, so that was nineteen ninety five. 1995, he did Under Siege 2 and Nick of Time. He goes on a four-year hiatus and then comes back as the martial arts choreographer for The Matrix. Yeah. Well, obviously, he learned some things between... Apologize to Clint. Absolutely not. This was a terrible movie with terrible fight scenes. Well, and then he goes on in 2000. I hated this movie. You two were giving it far too much credit. I have been sitting here silent. I'm giving it the exact right amount of credit. I'm giving it 100% the right amount of credit. Absolutely not. This guy, Clint, is actually amazing. He goes on to be the fight choreographer for Spider Man. Nice. Um, He's a stunt performer in Minority Report. Nice. Oh. Oh, we gotta watch my Hans. He did I've the, never seen Minority the fight. Report. I know you need to watch Minority Trinity. Report. Nice. Uh, and... Okay, well, Blade Trinity is less nice, but Minority <laughs> Report, Hans. Minority <laughs> Report. Watch Minority Report. And fight choreography for Spider-Man Three. Um, I'm really okay. Glad. The what fight was choreography was good in that one. Say what you will about Spider-Man Three, the fight choreography was not. It bad. It was good. Good job, Clint. What was his last name? Kadina. Clinton Hadina, I'm really glad you found your stride and became okay. a very successful, very talented stunt Here's, coordinator. No, I, need I to have point to out say, that. you missed your mark on this one because no. this movie sucked. No, Fight I need okay, but I need to point out, he had movies before this with good yeah. fight scenes. He had he didn't learn. He had movies after this with good yeah. fight scenes, but also before. He was doing the best he could with what he was given. <laughs> I would like you to make Seagal do an effective fight scene, Hans. See how fucking easy it is. And like, and it's amazing that he Clint, did this. And like, I stand by you. Just looking at the timing here. I'm he your was biggest doing, fan. So just looking at the timing here, from 1987 to 1990, he was doing nothing but 21 Jump Street. Nice. Uh, wow, that's like I all should, he I should was go doing. back and I should watch 21 Jump Street. Then he was a stunt. He was a stunt performer in like a couple things, and he was in at least. Two or three things every year until 1995. He did this movie and then just went on a four-year hiatus. To do <laughs> he just needed okay. some time to reflect. So, Zach, you might be right. He was just like, "Oh my god!" This, He's like, this, "Oh Jesus!" Is this Steven Seagal is making do I really my career? Do choices. I really want to work in this industry? <laughs> but the next thing he does, I find this amazing. He does this movie, goes on a four-year hiatus. Like he has been working on at least one project. Every single year since 1987, Respects. it is 1995. He like goes away for four years, comes back and does the Matrix. Right, my like, man. He went <laughs> and he hardened his resolve so he could do his like best work yet. Yes, yeah. I'm with actually people that could actually yes, do the work with like Keanu Reeves, who also not always the best actor. I'm sorry, depending. You, no, know, you have to. Sorry. You have to. Similarly, you. No, okay, I'm not gonna say not the best actor. Similarly, you have to make sure you're utilizing his strengths. He's, He's not Keanu Reeves the does certain things very lines. well. 
Yeah. Well, Dracula he can deliver lines if you give him the right lines. He can deliver, I'm thinking I'm back. If you give him the right lines. Fair enough. Fair enough. But he is excellent at the rest. Yeah. Yes. Plato shrinks. Oh, I got so heated that something's going to say there. Oh, uh, I don't know. Have either of you seen the film Nope, the uh, the recent Jordan Peele film Nope? I did not. No. There's this one character who's like a film editor. It. It's actually it's really disappointing. Hey, hey, welcome. Hey, everybody, welcome to Yep, the Nope fan cast. I'm your host, Zach. (laughs) Okay, but okay, hold on. If you're going to do a Nope fan cast, I think Yep is actually a great title for that. You got to give me that Nope fan cast. But. Um, it was snubbed for the Oscars in general in a lot of ways, but specifically it is like a movie about movies and they will give every movie about movies at least some kind of pity nominations. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually need to double check. I'm not sure if that's true for Babylon. Babylon deserves some nominations as a movie about movies, but nope is a movie about Babylon movies. It deserves so much more than it got. Bab- uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to... Uh, I didn't think it's such a Maybe it's on movie. the Babylon it, fan podcast. It's an it? outstanding movie, but it released around the same time that Avatar 2 released, and that waste hey. of time hey, everybody, ate welcome. up all of the news and the press, and it's just so disappointing. Hey, everybody, welcome to La La Land was kind of mid, and I never saw First Man, but your other stuff's pretty good. The Damien Chazelle fan cast. Today we're talking about Babylon. Fantastic um, movie. <laughs> fantastic movie. But in Nope. Um, there's this character who is a film editor and they, there's this one scene where you meet him early on. And then the next time you see him, he's just like in his, like his like chamber, this, like this, I'm not going to call it a man cave. He's just like in like this really cool, like his house is just like dope as hell. And he's like, just, I assume like editing, but you just see him like watching through this footage of like animals killing each other, like apex predators fighting. And it, it ties into the themes in the movie, but he's just like sitting like in this like dark room, just like watching footage of like tigers fighting each other. And it's like the like coolest, most just like Sigma male like moment like ever. Like this guy is like my hero. But that's what I just picture is after Under Siege that this guy just like retires to his cave. Uh, Clint just retires to his cave and he's just like watching footage, but it's just like dudes like punching each other, like just sitting there, just like refining, like honing his craft. Because he does, like, a, you know, a one-for-them, one-for-me thing, and he's, like, just preparing his return. But he needs to just, like, be... He needs to just chisel his body into perfect fight choreography for the next four years so he can do Matrix. That's <laughs> well, what I think that, happened. I just find it's amazing. I find it amazing movie, nope. that the next thing he does is the Matrix. Does he do all three Matrixes or just the first one? Just the first one. Oh, okay. He he got out while, he got out while again. <laughs> that was good. There's yeah. nothing tarnishing his name. No, just even even Spider Man three. Oh my god! When I was in like middle school, high school, I rewatched like the final fight from <laughs> Spider Man three on YouTube like a hundred times a day. Like, <laughs> gotta give him that. It was that, rad. That is the one indisputably great part of that movie. But like Matrix is a movie that not only like has good fight scenes, but for many people, like that's their favorite part. Right. Like also like not even just like the best part of the movie. Like literally redefined Hollywood fight scenes. Pretty great. Like, he was a pioneer in what fight scenes became for the next like 10 years <laughs> hans i would like you to publicly apologize to clint i stand by what i said no coward <laughs> no you're probably what you no, said in all, in all seriousness you you're probably right from if he took a, a four-year uh hiatus after that movie i think he was just so depressed he was so down so, after working with steven seagal uh and seagal not able to work with him but also, wait, was he a stunt... He was the stunt choreographer, or was he the stunt person on this He one? was the fight choreographer for The Matrix. You also have to, No, 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 on this one, on Under Siege. Oh, on this? He was the fight choreographer for... 
You also have to picture, though, so you're the fight choreographer. You're not just, like, a stunt person. You're, like, kind of leading this team, I assume. I don't know how the industry works. I'm talking out of my ass here. But I assume you're kind of, like, the leader of, like, all these, like, people doing the fight, like, choreography. You have to also imagine that entire shoot, he's probably just watching Seagal crap all over, like, his team. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so much better than this guy. And then they watch the worst screen fighting you've ever seen. And then afterwards, Seagal is like, I'm just so cool and so good at this. Like, you know, no one. Yeah, it probably got him really down. Yeah, and that probably that was not a great experience. I'm sure they had <laughs> so to continually watch a man face plant onto his own ass while talking about how great he is. <laughs> face plant onto his own ass. I said what I said. <laughs> it was clever. You don't have to repeat it. Well, if you're like Steven Seagal, you would. You do. Oh yeah, he does it. have to repeat something if he thinks it's clever. So, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what kind of, like, star rating I give this. Like, I feel bad actually giving this, like, more stars. Because in, like, yeah. every technique, by every measure, it was not uh, as good. This would be as, one of those like, that you would, you would give it a like, even though it had really low star rating. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, for yeah. me, this is a two stars liked it. Yeah. No. This is, this I'll is... give it, like, two and a half or three, but, like, liked it. I would, by far, this is the only one so far that I'd actually be, like, excited to rewatch. Oh, this is a one and a half, maybe less. I freaking hated it. Like, this took me by surprise that it happened this early. This whole time, I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for it, like, so bad it's good. I'm hoping, like, this movie sucks, but, like, it rules and I had a great time watching it. <laughs> we are... How many films are we in? Seven. seven. Like, I, I didn't think it would be the seventh one. That, like, on no. the fifth one, oh, it's actually a pretty decent movie. And then the seventh one, like, I'm having a good time. This actually yeah. rules. Like, hey, I'm glad like you're there, because the I'm way not... There. <laughs> I, I don't know, Hans, I don't know if you're going to get there to, like, Special Sniper Ops or Asian Connection. Like, it might be a while for you. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I just want to if you say... didn't have fun here, I don't think you're going to have fun for a while. <laughs> I just want to say, we are 15% of the way through this project. That's um... heartening and really disheartening at the same time. <laughs> That's actually fairly impressive, but also really <laughs> depressing when that means there's still 85%. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, that does seem like a lot. <laughs> That's, uh, you put it that way, that hurts. Like you when know, we got five in and the... we were 10%, I was like, hey, this is pretty good. We're fifth of the way through. But then when I think about it now and I'm like, oh my God, we still have, <laughs> we still have like a, a depending on your grading scale. Movies left. <laughs> but I'm like, we, st- we still have like possibly a B plus worth of movies left. <laughs> And we still have it's it's you're right though it's gonna be a while before we get to like the pump them out every year garbage yeah so although enjoy it like now. straight to DVD crap enjoy it now yeah but we have ooh. it's really hard when it sucks as bad as this one did are we are we watching Executive Decision or no because that's just a supporting role I can't remember uh, it was extra credit. I believe that was an extra credit for okay. the Patreon. So we have the Glimmer Man <laughs> fire down below. Oh, we only have two more before it's direct to video. Oh. Really? <laughs> we have Glimmer Man and Fire Down Below, um, and then the Patriot is direct to video. And are any of them any of the ones where he stars? Or like, any of them not direct to video after that? Yeah, you have Exit Wounds and Half Past Dead. Don't say they're direct to video, at least on Wikipedia. And Ticker specifically says limited release. So it did have some. There's a couple limited releases. Like, it definitely seems he's doing the shotgun approach for a bit there. Like, they're doing like 10 movies, and like two of them will get a theatrical release. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then it hits a point where they're all except here when we get to the end, like 2016 on on Wikipedia, it doesn't say direct to video, but these have to be direct to video. These did not come out in theaters. Well, because that's when you get to sniper yeah. special ops, and that's when you have the connection, connection and, a good and man. contract to kill. And um, actually, Good Man's 2014. That one does say it was direct to video, but <laughs> we're, we're in the, we're in the weeds here. That um, one just, I think I'm most excited for. The a good man, yeah, <laughs> because you really need to learn what Seagal's definition of a good, of a good man, man is, is. Ooh, and how it is most certainly not a good man i can put my philosophy degree at work there like, is, <laughs> ontologically speaking i don't believe he is a good man in this case <laughs> you know let's um, examine him through an aristotelian virtue ethics lens oh you're going oh for the question i'm like okay if we go for like a kantian approach though mm, i could <laughs> is he fulfilling his duties you know is he right uh, is he following the universal imperative here, you know? Honestly, Seagal probably does think he is following the universal imperative. Oh, I I would not. I don't shy. think that aligns with reality, but I think that actually if I were to subscribe to Can him we of, really know like an Illumina? ethical framework, if I were to give him an ethical framework that he is like living off of, I would actually assume it's like a Kantian kind of moral imperative thing. Yeah. Categorical imperative, sorry. Deontological ethics. Come on. Yeah. Um, but you know, not all of us have two masters. When, when we, <laughs> yeah, actually, you're the only one that actually Aaron is the only one that has two master's degrees. Well, thank you. Some of us only have one. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Some of us don't have any. Oh no, we started talking about um, philosophy. Maybe it's time to start wrapping this up. I don't know. Do we have any other final closing thoughts? Uh, favorite quotes. Um, oh, it's, tits, I think uh, tits to die for. Yeah, absolutely. Without only a doubt, beats me in the kitchen. What about you, Aaron? Uh, because I loved the way that she delivered it, I broke my bra. <laughs> okay. Um, by worst quote, the biggest thumbs down is what was that? It's called an orgasm. That's. <laughs> I hated that. I'll be honest. I've, I've been pretty sour on this. When we were going back through, and you're like talking about each of the individual events that you found very funny. Looking back, I did get a couple laughs. Like I, I it's not as bad as I, I am making it out to be. I honestly god, I think I need time. I think all the yeah. rest of these I've had at the very least like two like hours hour. yeah. before like I've had a little bit of time to let it sit and and to come up with some thoughts for us to talk about. This one I went straight from I you know, end credits, join this call, and I was so angry. So he's <laughs> bad. He he's like a good Steven Seagal's a good marinade, but a bad like fast food. Mm. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I, not a good. No, no that's the end of the episode. No, let's try it again. That's the end of the episode. Singer. So it sounds like Steven Seagal's a, a is a good marinade, but a bad movie fast food. And I I just have one last thing I want to say. Oh, well, you ruined my stinger there. Okay, that was a good singer anyway. It's fine. I want justice for Steven Seagal's uncredited stunt double, Rhino Michaels. Justice for Rhino. Justice for him. Justice for Clint. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Justice for so many people involved in this movie. So I, I think, you know, one could say that Aaron is out for justice. That means one of us has to die. Don't mention it, brother.